Um, if, you're, if you've been with us, uh, if you started with us last week, we started a brand new series here in the month of October called uh, Restore You. And like I mentioned, there's a little bit of play on words, and if you want the honest truth, that was completely accidental. Um, but uh, we, what we said last week is that we're trying to get back to the basics, and so we kind of uh, likened what we're doing to coming back to the syllabus to find out the direction of the course of where we as a church and where we as individuals are heading. Uh, I just want to ask you to stick with us. Uh, I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but there's a big announcement coming. So there's a tease for you, right? I don't know when. It might be next year. might be four years from now. <laughs> but just stick with us. Stick with us. Come back for the big announcement. There will be one coming soon. Uh, just pray for Restore Church. God is really uh, doing some cool uh, things that uh, Ephesians talks about being beyond our dreams or anything we could ever imagine, and God's doing it. Um, hey, we, we also started doing this. We're talking about what God wants for us as individuals and what God wants for us as a church, and uh, so what we've asked you to do is to pray every day of the month of October, every morning, God, give me the opportunity to be your church today, and if you missed last week, that's all right. Uh, we've got three more. So you got plenty of time. Every morning you're going to wake up and say, God, give me the opportunity to be your church today. And what you're asking God to do is to give you opportunities to love them and to love other people. I, I cautioned you last week to say, uh, just to say that if you are going to pray this prayer, um, God's going to answer it. And so don't get frustrated uh, when you have annoying people in your life <laughs> and you've asked God to give you the opportunity or you just and you, you just start to see people in need a little bit different and you end up with a little bit less cash at the end of the week because God's given you opportunities what we ask you to do not for not for our glory but for God's glory is to share those stories on social media uh, we would love for people in our community and your friends to see you being the hands and feet of Jesus and so do that with the hashtag of love on purpose. And that's the one phrase we've started using around here. A few years ago, I was, um, uh, I was a minister in, in a different area before we started to come plant a church. And um, it, we, we got a newspaper that usually we just used to wrap stuff when we moved. You know, we didn't read them. When it came time to move, we had like a, a, like a, a stack this tall of just newspapers. And I, I originally got it because I was going to be like the old, uh, not uh, the experienced guy, not old guy, the experienced guy that would wake up at like 5 a.m., read the newspaper before the sun came up and the rooster crowed. And I, I'm, I don't know what that's like. I've never experienced that. <laughs> I remember reading in the newspaper, though, one day that um, there was a man and a wife, and she was pregnant, and they were headed for a trip to Virginia. We lived in Elizabeth City. It was about a 35 to 40 minute drive, and they were headed to, um, to Virginia. She was well over her due date, and uh, there's, this, there's this no service, nothing on the map except a cow patty uh, area from somewhere in between South Mills, uh, North Carolina, and Chesapeake. And they just happened to be in that spot when it was time for her to deliver the baby. So they called 911, said, here's what's happening. And the dispatcher 
their coach to do these kind of things. They said to, um, they said to the guy calling, brother, you're going to deliver your baby. And so they pull over, and the dispatcher is walking him step by step through how to deliver this baby. All right, long story short, they had the baby, the ambulance came, and everyone was great. Mom and baby and dad was a little bit panicked, uh, but they, they had to give him some medicine too, if you know what I'm saying, to calm him down. Well, here's what I remember about this article. I remember reading it and being like, you're kidding. In it, it said that the dispatcher, a part of a script is to tell the person who's delivering the baby and they they put it in quotations sir your baby will be free <laughs> do not drop your baby <laughs> <laughs> duh <laughs> world uh, is going to hell in a handbasket I mean, when you turn on the news this week, you saw the, it, it was one of those moments where you knew where you were. You knew where you were for 9-11. Some of you knew where you were the day that John F. Kennedy was Sunday night was one of those moments in U.S. history where you'll remember where you were. I mean, and it seems like that's normal now. Like every other month where we're getting some kind of disaster. Every other month, we're hearing about some kind of terrorist attack somewhere in the world, and it's, dude, can we just get back, right? Can we just get back to the syllabus? Can we just get back to the base? Can we get back to the, well, duh, part of it? And that's, that's what we're doing, and that's what we're going to do today. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. Uh, someone will bring you one. Listen, there's no shame in that. That's your Bible. We want you to have uh, we want you to take it home, write your name in it, uh, highlight in it, write notes, whatever you would like to do. Um, but as you and I start to try to live out what God wants us or wants for us, we will begin to shine the light, as it says in Matthew chapter 5, in dark places. Man, if you find yourself uh, uncomfortable because you're talking about Jesus, that's probably good. Right? You're a light in a little bit of a dark place. Well, Jesus starts to talk about that same story uh, in Luke chapter 10. So one thing that's cool, oh, I don't have my phone. I have every other contraption known to man attached to me today, but not my phone. My phone's not much smaller now, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but we have, a, we have a Restore Church app if you're new here and you want to download that. That can help you through uh, the sermon. You can follow along with some of my notes um, you can also follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. So if you downloaded that, if you have that on your phone, you can search under live events, and uh, you should be able to find Restore Church pretty easily. Um, so you, you've got a Bible. Maybe you found Luke by now. Uh, we, we say this regularly. Someone do some research and find the most appropriate time to take a drink of water. I'm just going to tell you it's going to happen. I'm struggling today. Um, Luke chapter 10, uh, there are four um, biographies about the life of Jesus in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke is the most detailed. Luke is a historian. He's an author. He's a physician. And so he wants to get every detail right. He's the kind of person that irritates the mess out of me. But he's also the type of person I'm glad that they wrote a story about Jesus. 
Luke writes this in Luke chapter 10. Well, before we start reading, I want to set the scene for you. It's a little bit similar to what we talked about last week, but it's also a little bit different. Jesus has quite a few people around. They're listening to what he has to say. Then in an effort, look here in verse uh, 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This is similar to what we talked about last week in the book of Mark. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to eternal life. Now, I got to tell you, because we're not going back and looking at the complete context, he's not genuine in his question. He's trying to embarrass Jesus. Uh, The Greek word that they use here is actually means that they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to get him hung up on his own words or words that he's taught prior. And so the expert in the law, we would call them lawyers, um, He asked Jesus, all right, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus has a knack for these kind of moments, doesn't he? He can see right through people. It's almost like if he were God or something. And he... uh, he turns it right back on his smarty pants lawyer. Um, he, he steps up to Jesus. He asks this question. Jesus says, okay, you're an expert in the law. Why don't you tell me? Look at what verse 26 says. What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? Um, I was in fifth grade. We were reading the lion. Everyone else was reading the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. I was just pretending. And uh, teacher, it was one of those things where you walk in, teacher said, did you read it? I said, yes, of course I did. <laughs> and we were sitting there, and there's this, I don't remember, I don't really remember because I didn't read it, um, this moment where the, f- the fawn, is this a thing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the fawn leaves the children, and my teacher looks right at me, and it's like one of those moments in class where you're body temperature starts to rise because you know you're in it and she says my middle name is Eric they call me Eric in fourth grade fifth grade Eric why did the fawn leave the children and I was like oh no and I remember being so embarrassed because I said because he was he was sad he was being a bad fawn (laughs) it wasn't the right answer that was not right and everyone knew it Here's a moment where this guy, teacher in the law, and Jesus raises his, his, uh, his body temperature. He turns it off. He says, if you're an expert in law, why don't you tell me what it says? How do you read it? Jesus tries to figure out how to, how, how to turn this on, uh, on the lawyer. There are 619 laws in the Old Testament. And they're asking, uh, and they've asked Jesus to choose one, right? Seems like an impossible task, but there are two of these, there are two that kind of rise to the top. Verse 27, the expert in the law, the lawyer, says this. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Not only does the expert answer this correctly, but he answers it in the exact same words that Jesus would have answered, in the exact same words that Jesus did answer this question in Mark, like we talked about just last week. Being God's child, being a member of his church, capital C, remember we talked about it a little bit last week, all of the churches make up the capital C church, we're all on the same team. 
um, being a member of the capital C church, these are like the, the two requirements. These are the your baby slippery, don't drop them, right? <laughs> this is what this is, love God and love people. If you weren't here last week, we talked about the first commandment. The first part is the beginning, the same as the beginning part of the mission here at Restore Church. Relentlessly uh, love God, right? And then the second part, he quotes, uh, the, the expert in the law quotes Leviticus chapter 19. So he quotes Deuteronomy at the first part. He quotes Leviticus. Y'all, these are not right next to each other. These are like pages and pages away. Well, in our Bibles, they're pages and pages and pages away. And so th this answer is not an uncommon answer. It's a popular answer, right? For this man to pull something from Deuteronomy and say, this is the most important thing, and then pull something from Leviticus and say, and this is the second most important thing. And for Jesus to have done the same thing on a different occasion means, means that both of, these have, both of these men have studied this somewhere, and it's a widely taught principle. But what happens is what Jesus does with the Old Testament is when he talks about it, he takes it up a notch, right? And so he's about to give this guy a new lesson uh, on what, this, on, on what um, these verses mean. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Mark Moore uh, he, he says this about the second commandment. He says the second commandment is crucial to understanding the first. How can we, sh how can we show uh, love to God? Sure, there are certain rituals we can perform, but they can be done rather emptily. Emptily. It was in a book, Hesper Lord. We can go to church. We can read our Bibles. We can give offerings, etc., for a number of reasons besides the love of God. I mean, we can do all those things because we love God, but we can also do those things for other reasons besides the love of God. The only practical way to demonstrate love to God is by loving our neighbors. And we can argue that some of the things that we do here at Restore Church is by effect loving our neighbors. But he, he says, man, he just puts it out there. The only way we're really showing love to God is by how we love others. Look at the way the Apostle John says it in 1 John chapter 4. He says, whoever, whoever claims to love God yet hates, y'all check that out, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And it's talking about people, not just your brother and sister. Jesus tells the young man this. He says, your theology is right on. Man, there's probably not a better expert than you. But now it's time to turn your theology into practice. It starts to, it's time to perform what you believe, right? Jesus says this in verse 28 as we keep going through Luke chapter 10. He says, uh, you answer correctly. Do this and you will live. But, he wanted to, but the expert in law wanted to justify himself. And so it's like, dude, just stop. <laughs> quit, please, for your own good, quit. But the guy wants to justify himself. And so he asks, okay, then, you know it all. Who's my neighbor? 
Um, and then Jesus goes on to tell us one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Are you in Luke chapter 10? <laughs> Me too. Um, in reply to that, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. You guys recognizing the story? Um, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him off, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, everyone, when I say as a Samaritan traveled, everyone goes, well, Everyone go, oh. all right, let's do this again. You ready? Taking this back to youth group. But a Samaritan, that was really good. As he traveled, he came, uh, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Everyone's like, why is he wasting the wine? <laughs> then he put the man on his own dog. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Man, it seems like Jesus almost enjoys taking up this debate. Actually, the word that's left out of the NIV, there's a, there's a word that's missing. And it literally in the Greek means he picked up the conversation. It's like, Jesus like, oh yeah, <laughs> you want to justify yourself? I got you, dog, right? <laughs> Do you like that? Do you like that? The dog? I'm getting there with the youth group, y'all. I'm getting there. When Jesus answered this question, it, Jesus wasn't just answering the question, who is my neighbor? There are two huge questions in this debate. The second one is, Who's my neighbor? Jesus does answer that, but he not only answers that. He answers the first question. Do you remember what that one was? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So let's give this story the context that it deserves, right? This guy's on his way to, from Jerusalem to Jericho. This isn't jaw-dropping. This is uh, a pretty popular thing. I mean, th this is where he's robbed, right? And uh, it's not popular. It occurs often, right? It's not like people's favorite thing to do. But they're, they're, he's going on this road um, that they called the Adumim. I'm fairly positive I just nailed that pronunciation. The Adumim. And this is what it means uh, in English. The pass of blood. So Jesus tells a story and he said there were these guys going from Jericho or from Jerusalem to Jericho. People were probably assuming there was going to be something happened to him. So they weren't shocked at the fact that the man had been beaten and robbed. The first two people, they travel by, they're clergymen, right? These two guys have the front row parking at the hospital, except for Onslow, who they don't recognize clergy. we got to park in the back, whatever. <laughs> they, they pull, um, the, the first two men are clergymen, a priest whose primary job was to offer sacrifices for, uh, to, to offer the sacrifices, and the second man is a Levite whose job was to take care of the temple and maintain it. And so you have these two religious men. 
Now, look, for them to have walked over and touched a body that was left for dead would have defiled them. They wouldn't have been able to carry out their religious duty in a clean and pure manner. And so as the story's going, I would imagine that most of the Jews are like, all right, what's the big deal, right? Like, they're just, they're just staying pure. But um, then comes a Samaritan, right? For these two men, the priest and the Levite, there is no excuse. There is no religious excuse on the face of this earth to not help someone in need. Did you get that? There's not a religious piety. There's not a, uh, I'm, I'm a churchgoer. I'm not going to associate with those kind of people. Those don't come out of our lips, y'all, right? These two men have no excuse other than it would have been inconvenient to love these people. I'm guilty of that one. Someone needs my help or someone who it would be uncomfortable to love. I'm guilty of passing the other side of the road or ignoring or pretending like it doesn't even exist, right? But for the Samaritan, the opposite is true. For the Samaritan, um, he sees what happens, right? And he steps up to help. He sees this man and he steps up to help. Now listen, for the expert in the law to hear the words good Samaritan is an oxymoron, right? It's, it's, they don't work together. Jews saw Samaritans as half Jews and they were an offense to their purity, Oftentimes, a Jew who was going from Galilee down to Judea, Samaria is in the middle, they would travel around in order that they would not breathe the same air as a Samaritan. We're not the first culture with racial issues. Right? They were still, just read the Bible. Read the New Testament, and it's all there. The unclean Samaritan, he pulls this guy aside. He starts to care for him. He cleans up his wounds. He likely used his own clothes to bandage him. The wine that he poured out was to, uh, to use as disinfectant or sanitizer at times. That's some strong wine, you know. But he's using it to disinfect the wounds. He puts, his, he puts him on his donkey, so he's, he's got to walk now. His own comfort, he's, he's abandoned. He's going to um, take him down to this inn. He's going to pay the extra money that it, or he's going to pay the upfront cost that it takes, and then he's going to pay the extra money on top of that that it, it's going to require. So now it's costing him time, energy, resources, comfort, and money. That's a sermon series, man. That's good. The Samaritan loved this man with his actions, not his words. This would be a hashtag love on purpose kind of moment. He was the church, even though he would have never been accepted in a first century church unless someone was pioneering the way for him. Being a neighbor, check this out, being a neighbor, that's the question, right? Who is my neighbor? Being a neighbor in this case is not about a location. It's about a mission. Being a neighbor is not about a location, who's living right next to you. It's about a mission. And if you decide that you're going to love your neighbor as a mission of your life, it changes who your neighbor is, right? 
It's the, I said this in our preview or our uh, sneak peek or backstage service this morning, that um, your neighbor's going to be the waitress this afternoon who messes up your order, right? Your, your neighbor's going to be your spouse who has no idea they've offended you, but oh, you almost show them, right? It's the person that's going to cut you off with your kids in the car. Your neighbor is the person at work that you hate or the one that hates you. Your neighbor changes when neighborhood, being a neighbor becomes a mission and not a location. Jesus finishes the parable like this. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell to the hands of robbers? The expert in the law, (laughs) man, this pompous jerk. The expert in the law, he says this, the one who had mercy on him. He wouldn't even say the Samaritan man. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this story uh, might seem surprising, uh, but it's really not that far off from our culture. There was a group of seminary students who were studying, and, and they set up this, uh, they, um, unbeknownst to them, there was this study that was set up for them. Uh, they were all asked to speak on their ambitions and their dreams of going into full-time ministry, paid ministry. And um, they were to walk to this nearby building to record what they had to say, their talks. And on the way, there was a victim, kind of like in our story, that was planted to see, just to see how these students would react. Listen, seminary students, people are studying the Bible every day. 60% of the students walked right past the victim on their way to their ministry assignment. Some of them stepped right over the man on their way to talk about Uh, being in full-time ministry. Why is it so difficult for us to live this out? Loving people isn't easy, is it? People don't make it easy, do they? If it were easy, our culture would just be different. Our world is so full of hate that it starts to bleed into our own lives and our own hearts. And we start to watch TV, and we hate people on TV we've never even met before, right? We hate, uh, we hate this, this news anchor. We, uh, we hate this, this athlete. We hate, we hate. And it's just become natural in our society to do that. And that's why it's so countercultural for the church, for us to say, we're going to love you. Even though you look different than I do, you think different than I do, and you vote different than I do. I'm going to love you anyway. I don't care what side of gun control you fall on. What would happen if we just decided we were going to love each other, right? I don't care who you voted for last November. What would happen if we just decided we are going to love each other anyway? I'm going to tell you this. I don't care about the skeletons in your closet. I'm going to love you. I don't care if you're here this morning and you said, I'm not, I'm not a Christian at all. I'm an atheist here. That's awesome. You're loved here, and you're welcomed here, and we want you to come back and have more coffee and more donuts. We want you to join a small group. This is a safe place for you. You've been hurt in your past. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've been hurt, and no one can love me. Y'all, li- listen, we love you. I love you. This is why Restore Church exists, to relentlessly love God and to recklessly love people the same way 
the Samaritan did. At different times, you might find yourself as someone else in the story, right? The, uh, the thief who says, what's yours is mine. The religious person who says, well, it's mine is mine. You just leave me alone. Or the Samaritan that says, what's mine is yours. And that's sacrificial kind of love. Look, if you're a part of this church and you claim to be a family member here, look, we love people recklessly. If you're not a part of our family, we're going to love you recklessly until you become a part of God's family and a part of our family here at Restore Church. It's why we came here. It's why we came to Jacksonville. We found a community who desperately needed to be loved. Um, I'll tell you about a guy named Chris Hazencomb, and maybe you've already heard his story. Uh, Chris, who's uh, in his early 50s, um, he's an avid fan of country music. And uh, he wasn't supposed to go to this concert, but um, his buddy and his friend's wife um, decided, uh, or they were going, and they had an extra ticket. Chris, would you like to go? Yeah, I'd love to go. Chris loved sports. Um, and he loved country music. Sounds like my kind of guy. Uh, and so he, he went to, to this concert. It was a little bit of a drive for them because it was in Las Vegas. And so uh, you can kind of see where his story's going. Uh, three of the people that went that afternoon um, are still here. It was Chris's friend and Chris's friend's wife. As the bullets began to fly, and no one really knew what was going on, uh, before these two people could have a reaction, he dove on them. And he covered, he, he took the shots, right, that these two um, would have taken. What's mine is yours, said Chris. And now his life still lives to tell the tale. What's mine is yours, said Jesus. We've all been a part of this story in some way or another. We're all guilty of being a thief and taking advantage of someone we shouldn't have. We've all been the religious person who's, man, I'm on my way. I, I, can't, I can't handle you right now. I'm not going to associate with that kind of person. We've all been the Samaritan. We've all helped someone. Uh, and probably went immediately to Facebook, so everyone knew we did it. Um, but we've all been the person on the side of the road. Beaten up. Left for dead. Maybe that has happened to you physically. Maybe it's happened to you spiritually. Maybe today you just walked in and you're like, you like stumbled in. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here, but what I do know is Satan's kicking my tail in, and I can't do it by myself. Maybe you're the Samaritan in that someone's taking advantage of you, and you're looking for healing. Or maybe you're the Samaritan in that you're just addicted, right? And, and no one understands that, but you do. You're, maybe Jesus is the answer. Maybe you're the Samaritan because your marriage is, is on its way out. And you can't win. You don't have a leg to stand on. 
Jesus says, what's mine is yours. Maybe it's your sin that's got you feeling beat up. Maybe it's your sin that's got you laying on the side of the road like, anybody, please, anybody help. Jesus saw us beaten and bloodied and on the side of the road and left for dead. And he said, I'm going to trade you. And he said, I'm going to give my life for that. I'm going to trade you. I'm going to go. I'll be bloodied. I'll be beaten up. And I'm going to allow you to hang me on a cross for you. Yeah, you. With all your stuff that you try to leave out, like you're pretending everything's cool. Yeah, you. Or you that are that's here and you got the, the front on. Yeah, you. For you here, that's like, man, everything's good right now. Like life's pretty okay. Yeah, you. <laughs> 